This is Wisdom from Above, and here's Harlan. (laughs) Greetings, podcast friends. Welcome to Wisdom from Above, where we go beyond the reasoning of men to the revelation of God. I'm honored that you've chosen to be a part of my podcast family. We have people listening from the United States and Haiti and from many other countries around the world. And so I extend these greetings. Bonjour. Hola. Anyong. Chikamu. Konnichiwa. Ni hao. Alo. Zin chao. God dog. Ciao. Bonjour. Last week we sought to distinguish between two polar opposites, license and legalism. Today we're going to dig a little deeper into this distinction. We do not want liberty isolated into license. We do not want law isolated into legalism. We want a biblical balance of liberty governed by love, a balance of grace and truth. Some of you are probably asking, well, why is this so important? And I'm glad you asked. You see, understanding these truths help guide us in living out the Christian life. Today, I want to talk with you about the law of Christ. We are transformed by the life of Christ, we're constrained by the love of Christ, and we're governed by the law of Christ. First of all, we're transformed by the life of Christ. As believers in our innermost being, we have been born again, and we are new persons in Christ. At the very moment we placed our faith in Christ, believing that he died for our sins and rose from the dead, we were identified with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. The Apostle Paul writes about this in Romans 6, 1-3. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? So since we are identified with Christ in his death, we have died to sin, as Paul said. And so we cannot truly live in sin. A Christian can sin, but he can't really live in sin. A Christian who is sinning is like a fish out of water. A fish out of water isn't really living. It's, it's, it's alive, but it's not truly experiencing life. It's experiencing death. And that's the way it is for a believer who is sinning. He's alive, but he's not truly experiencing life as God has designed it. The Apostle Paul continues this thought in Romans 6.4 with this exciting statement, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. So he's talking about the fact that since we're identified with Christ in his resurrection, and that happened at the very moment we place our faith in Christ, it's a spiritual baptism, the baptism of the Spirit, Since we're identified with Christ in his resurrection, we can and we should walk in newness of life. What is the key to this transformation? 
Well, as Paul said in that passage, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is working in us to help us walk in newness of life. The Bible tells us in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the key to transformation. Christ lives in me. As Paul says to the Colossian believers, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have Christ in us to enable us to walk in newness of life. We're transformed by the life of Christ. Secondly, we're constrained by the love of Christ. The Bible reveals this huge motivator in 2 Corinthians 5.14, where we read very simply, For the love of Christ constrains me. The love of Christ compels me. God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son to die in our place and pay for our sin. John 3.16 Jesus so loved us that he laid down his life for us. Romans 5.8 And we love him because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 so, so you see this, this amazing, divine, sacrificial love impacts our lives. The love of Christ impels us and moves us to do his will. The love of Christ motivates us and moves us. We are constrained by the love of Christ. We're transformed by the life of Christ, constrained by the love of Christ, and now Here's where we want to go in this podcast. We are governed by the law of Christ. The Bible speaks of the law of Christ in 1 Corinthians 9.21. Where Paul says, When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. You see, his, uh, his great goal was to bring others to Christ. Then he goes on, But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. We are not free to simply do whatever we want. As Paul wrote in Romans 6.15, What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Absolutely not. The Bible is clear in John 1.17. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So we must balance that, those two. We must balance grace and truth. Last week, in our Wisdom from Above podcast, we looked at the danger of license and the danger of legalism. The danger of license when liberty isolated becomes license, where people throw out all rules and regulation, do whatever they choose to do. They throw off any external authority and simply do whatever feels good or whatever seems loving, even if it goes against what's commanded in the Bible. Those who claim to be free from the law are often rejecting the absolute authority of the Bible. We also looked at the danger of legalism. Law isolated becomes legalistic. Liberty isolated becomes license. Law isolated becomes legalistic. And in legalism, people are forcing themselves and others to obey a man-made list of rules and regulations 
in order to get saved or in order to prove they're saved or in order to stay saved. Some legalists have rules like this. We don't drink, nor smoke, nor chew, nor associate with the folks that do. Each group seems to have their own list. The filthy five, the nasty nine, the dirty dozen. Things they don't do. They don't go to movies. They don't dance. They don't drink. Don't watch television. Don't wear jewelry. Don't play games on Sunday. Uh, legalists are grace killers. They're negative. They're critical. They're harsh. And they're severe. We discovered that the Bible calls for a balance of grace and truth. Truth alone, all alone, it, it can be caustic and condemning. And uh, a, a grace or love alone can be compromising or condoning. We discovered that we must have a liberty that is governed by our love for God and others. We, we are free not to do whatever we choose, but free to do what God chooses. We're free not to do whatever we want to do, but we're free rather to do whatever we ought to do. So the question remains, what is it that we ought to do as believers in Jesus Christ? And that's the thrust of this podcast. What is it that we ought to do as believers in Jesus Christ? And the answer can be found in the law of Christ. This is mentioned in Galatians 6, 2, where we're challenged to fulfill the law of Christ. For a simple summary, I I like to use the acrostic law, L-A-W. L is love God and others. We're told to do this in Matthew 22, 37 to 39, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. A stands for abide in the truth. We abide in the truth of the word, because God's word is truth, John 17, 17. And we abide in the truth of Christ, because Christ is truth, according, he is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. So we're told in John 15, 7, if you abide in me, that's Jesus speaking, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, the word of God abide in you. So L is love God and others. A is abide in the truth, that is abiding in the the Bible and in Christ. And then W is witness, witness to unbelievers. We're told in John 15, 27 that we are to have an impact on the world. In Acts 1, 8, we're told that the Holy Spirit will guide us and we can be witnesses in our neighborhood and surrounding community in the whole world. We're told in Romans 1, 14 to 16, Paul says that, that uh, we have an obligation to share the gospel of Christ. But now, now let's dig just a little deeper into the law of Christ. What does it mean to obey the law of Christ? What exactly is the law of Christ? <clears throat> I believe there is a definite set of regulations for the conduct of believers in the church age. I'm going to say that again. There is a definite set of regulations for the conduct of believers in the church age. These precepts are derived primarily from the New Testament epistles, but they're broader than that. Uh, There's a fourfold breakdown of the law of Christ. I'm going to share a fourfold breakdown of the law of Christ. Positive commands, negative commands, rules, and principles. Positive commands, negative commands, rules, and principles. First of all, positive commands. These are things that are always right to do. For example, pray. We're told in the New Testament, pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray for one another. 
I don't have to wonder if it's God's will for me to pray. The New Testament commands me to pray. Uh, it's always right to do. Another is love my wife. Told in Ephesians 5, I'm to love my wife. Well, I don't have to pray and ask God if he wants me to love my wife today. The New Testament commands husbands to love their wives. There are many other positive commands in the New Testament. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage one another. Walk in wisdom. Be filled with the Spirit. Rejoice in the Lord. Give thanks. Be kind to one another. Forgive each other. Set your affection on things above. Those are all examples of positive commands, things that are always right to do. So if there's a command for believers in the New Testament, it, uh, a positive command telling us to do something, it's always right to do. Then there are negative commands. These are things that are always wrong to do. For example, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I don't have to pray and ask God if I should stop going to church. The Bible commands us in Hebrews chapter 10 not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Another is don't quench the Spirit. We're told that in Ephesians. Don't grow weary in doing good. We're told that in Galatians. Don't repay evil for evil. We're told that in Romans. Don't be conformed to this world. We're told that in Romans. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And that's Ephesians. Don't grumble and complain. These are all examples of negative commands. It's always wrong to grumble and complain. It's always wrong to be conformed to this world. So we're trying to find out how to live the Christian life, how to approach a Christian life, how to live out the Christian life, and how to know what to do. How do I know what to do? Well, if there's a positive command, it's always right to do it. If there's a negative command, it's always wrong to do it. What about things that aren't covered by the positive and negative commands? Well, the next two uh, categories will cover that. The third thing is rules. These are things that are legislated by an authority. And an authority might be a parent, a government, an employer, or a teacher, for example. So a father and mother can make rules for their children, like be home by midnight. The kid doesn't have to pray about whether or not to be home by midnight. They just have to be home by midnight. A government can make rules for their citizens. Like, you have to have a license to drive a car. You don't have to pray about whether or not to drive without a license. You just have to get a license if you want to drive. Employers can make rules for their workers. Like, you have to work an eight-hour day for five days a week. You don't have to pray about it. You just have to do it. Teachers can make rules for their students. Like, you have to write a three-page paper on leadership. You don't have to pray about whether or not to write the paper. You just have to write it. Those are rules, things that are legislated by an authority. Now, some of you might be asking, well, what if I disagree with my authority? That is, That actually is a great question. In that case, I think you have three options. One is just submit anyway. Or the second is try to get the, the rule changed through proper means by respectfully appealing to them to revise their rule or to make an exception to the rule, or by respectfully going to their authority to appeal for a change. A third thing you could do would be to move out from under that authority. Now, for a child, that can't happen unless you're over 18. But it would mean moving out of the house and living on your own and paying your own way. But I would caution against acting rashly like the prodigal son. For a citizen, it would mean moving to another country. 
But I would encourage you to truly understand the kind of authority the other country will bring upon you. For a worker, it would mean uh, leaving that job and going to a different job with a different employer. But again, I would encourage you to consider carefully what you'd be giving up and what this new employer might ask of you. For a student, it would mean to drop out of the class. But I would want you to know that this might mean a loss of credits or a bad grade or, or uh, more time required to get your degree. Remember, God can use an unjust authority to shape us. God will honor us for unjust suffering, and God will ultimately deal justly with that authority. So we have positive commands, always right to do. Negative commands, always wrong to do. Rules, things legislated by an authority. And then the last is principles. These are guidelines for unaddressed decisions. These principles are needed when you're trying to decide on an issue that's not directly addressed in Scripture. We sometimes refer to these as doubtful things or things that are variable. It can be right or wrong depending on the situation. Again, let me note that we're now talking about things that are not specifically addressed in Scripture with a positive command or a negative command. Uh, and it's not a rule legislated by an authority. So in these cases, you have to ask yourself three questions and let the Scripture guide you in determining the course of action you will take. The three questions are, what effect will it have on me, what effect will it have on others, and what effect will it have on God? When you're asking, what effect will it have on me, uh, I think of several things there. Will it be a weight? Hebrews 12.1 says, let us lay aside every sin and every weight that holds us back. You know, will it, will it help me or hinder me? A second question you could ask is, will it be a chain? 1 Corinthians 6.12 warns us against things that could bind us and, uh, and control us. Proverbs 5.22 says we can be bound by the cords of our own sin. But uh, the, the, the question there, will it be a chain? Will it free me or will it bind me? Uh, uh, another question I sometimes ask on what effect it will have on me is, will it cause anxiety? Romans 14 warns against doing things that uh, cause us to feel guilty or where our conscience is condemning us. Uh, will it condemn me or calm me? So if the first question is, what effect will it have on me? The second question, what effect will it have on others? You know, will it cause them to stumble? We're warned in 1 Corinthians eight thirteen not to cause a brother to stumble, not to trip them. Will it trip them or will it help them? Uh, will it win them to Christ? 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23. The idea here is, will it draw them towards Christ or push them away from Christ? Will it build them up? Romans fourteen nineteen. The idea here is, we are to build people up, not tear them down. So what effect will it have on others? And question number three, what effect will it have on God? We're told in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one whether you eat, or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Will it bring him glory? Will it honor him, or will it dishonor him? So those are the three questions that we need to ask when we're trying to determine uh, uh, what to do in an issue that is not directly addressed by Scripture, for doubtful things, variable things. Guide, guidelines for unaddressed decisions. These are the principles. What effect will it have on me? What effect will it have on others? What effect will it have on God? I love uh, Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do 
in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then in Colossians 3, again, but verses 23 to 25, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. So there in Colossians 3, we have two phrases, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus, giving him thanks, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Well, I, I hope this podcast has been helpful to you. I know that uh, learning this information has been immensely helpful for me. You see, our God is worthy of our life and our love and our loyalty. God longs for us to glorify him and to enjoy him. I want to be pleasing to Christ. I want to live a life of grace and truth, grace and truth. I want to experience intimacy with the Almighty. I want him to be honored by my life. I love the heart of David as he sings these words to the Lord in Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a great, great verse. The joy that we have in having a right relationship with God. And remember, we don't have to do all these things in our own strength. In living out the Christian life, we don't do it on our own strength. It's Christ in us. We're transformed by the life of Christ. And we don't have to just kind of muster up the desire to do it. We're constrained by the love of Christ. And we don't have to wonder what to do. We're governed by the law of Christ. Well, I'm honored that you have joined me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please hit that subscribe or follow button so you'll be notified of each new weekly podcast. Help me grow the impact of this podcast by telling others about it. And, uh, and, and share the podcast. Share it with your family. Share it with your friends. You can contact me at harlanbetts at gmail.com. We're committed to keeping these podcasts ad-free and cost-free. If you want to help us out financially, you can do so at my ministry website, teachingtotransform.org. Again, this is Dr. Harlan Betts wishing you a great week and God's blessings. Let's meet again next week as we continue to seek wisdom from above.